Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I hope that you feel renewed this morning. I just believe that um, God just wants to fill us with a new kind of faith um, that only can come from his presence. Sometimes um, the best thing that we can do is just to, to take time in his presence, just to actually rest in it and sit in it. This morning, um, I, I was on my way to do my normal drive. I always drive on the parkway um, Sunday mornings. And, and so this this morning, I thought, wow, it'd be great to, I want to do a longer drive. And, and as God has been putting on my heart to pray for the whole Niagara Peninsula, I decided, and I don't know if this was a God idea or not, probably not, but I just decided to drive to Fort Erie and then take the parkway all the way back. And so I'm driving to Fort Erie on the highway. I'm hearing what my wife is saying to me in my head, and she's even saying it right now to me. Um, and uh, so I'm not paying attention. I'm just, I've got worship music on and my AirPods. I'm not paying attention. And I turn off into the duty-free. There's like the, the exit to like on Central Avenue in Fort Erie. And then there's a duty-free. And I get in the duty-free and I'm like, oh, shoot. Um, I, I tried to turn around and I realized, you know, I can't go like the wrong way back out onto the highway. So I circle around. <laughs> And um, I just kind of cut through, and I come back in the Nexus line. We have Nexus cards. And so I pull up to the, the Nexus guy, and at the Peace Bridge, it's not even a real person anymore. He just speaks to you through this intercom thing. And he said, how long have you been in the United States? And I said, well, I haven't. Um, and he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I, I, um, I meant to take another exit, and I went in the duty-free by accident. And he said, well, what did you buy in the duty-free? And I said, well, I didn't buy anything. And he said, why'd you go to the duty-free then? And I said, I made a mistake. And he said, well, what did you buy? And I said, well, nothing. And he said, well, where are you going? And I said, I'm going back to Niagara Falls. And he said, well, where do you live? And I said, in Niagara Falls. And he said, so you're telling me, this literally happened. You're telling me you drove south for 20 minutes just to turn around and go back north. And I said, yes. And I took the wrong exit when I was in Fort Erie, and he said, well, what are you doing in Fort Erie? I said, nothing. I just came here to turn around and go back home. And um, he said to me, literally, he said, well, that, this doesn't make any sense. And I said, yeah, I know it doesn't, but it's what I'm doing, all right? And as he's saying that line, this doesn't make any sense, I'm literally, I'm looking at like the intercom thing, and my wife's face is right there in my mind going, yep, of course, it makes no sense, Andrew to drive 20 minutes out of your way just to drive back on a different road. But I did it, and it was great. I, I felt like I just needed just the extra time with God. In my car and driving like that is often the time when, when um, God just allows me to pray and intercede more. I have powerful moments with him um, while I'm driving. And, uh, and so that was my story from this morning. It was quite comical. Finally, he, he didn't even say, okay, go. It just was like, it makes no sense. And then the gate just opened up. <laughs> and uh, so I just pulled away. And then I got to the, I got to the, 
the bridge toll line. And I said, can I not pay the toll? I didn't even go on the bridge today. And he said, no, sir. And that, so that was a, an extra $5 burn right there. <laughs> um, but this morning, yeah, my wife is happy about that. <laughs> this morning, um, this is, if you've not been with us before, or you've only come to this church in the last year, um, this is a really special morning for us, and it's a tradition we started a few years ago where we invite you, myself, our, our whole team, everyone, to ask God about bringing an offering of appreciation and anticipation so that we can go beyond where we normally go, that we can see the kingdom of God released to do things in our church that we would not otherwise have the opportunity to do. And these Sundays over the last few years have been literally supernatural. And as I was prepping for this week, um, a number of weeks ago, a month ago, I just sensed God reminding me of this passage and actually reminding me of this message I heard several years ago from this passage. And I just really felt like the Lord was releasing me to preach this. I originally wanted to preach this a few years ago, and he told me I wasn't ready to do it, and so I didn't. But I want you to turn with me, if you have a Bible, uh, to the Old Testament. We're going to go into the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 43, specifically. There's some things in here that are difficult to understand, and there is some profound truth that is kind of hidden below the surface. And oftentimes, uh, I find with the Bible and in my faith, it's, it's not as I'm just glancing at Scripture that I, I really sort of ingest and learn things. It's as I just sit on things. Like David said, meditate on the Word of God. Hide it in your heart. Allow what's on the page to become more than ink and paper. And this is one of those passages for me that even now has just been continuing to stir in my heart. Ezekiel is getting a vision from God. He's in exile. The whole nation of Israel has been conquered by the Babylonians. Ezekiel is in exile. He's out of his homeland. He's in sort of enemy territory. And God is giving him a vision of things that are going to take place in the future. And part of this vision, we're going to talk about the beginning of his vision at the end of the service today. But part of this vision is God describing this new kind of temple. And in this vision that God is giving Ezekiel, he's, he's not giving Ezekiel the vision of the second temple that Israel would build. By now, the temple that Solomon had built was destroyed, burnt down to the ground by the Babylonians. And God is giving Ezekiel a vision of a kind of temple. But it's not the second temple that was later built. This is something different that God is putting his finger on and highlighting to Ezekiel. And he's describing in detail in this vision what the temple dimensions are, what it looks like, and what's inside. And in one part, he gets to the part where God is describing the measurements of the altar. So if you want to look with me, Ezekiel 43, verse 13. We're going to pick up the story here. This is God speaking to Ezekiel. 
in a vision while Ezekiel's in exile. These are the measurements of the altar by cubits. We're going to learn about cubits today. The cubit being a cubit and a handbreadth, which means nothing to you probably right now, but it will later. Its base shall be one cubit high and one cubit broad with a rim of one span around its edge, and it shall be the height of the altar from the base to the ground to the lower edge, two cubits, with a breadth of one cubit, and from the smaller ledge to the larger ledge, four cubits, and with a breadth of one cubit, and the altar hearth, four cubits, and from the altar hearth projecting upward, four horns. The altar hearth shall be square, 12 cubits long by 12 broad. The ledge also shall be square, 14 cubits long by 14 broad, with a rim around it, half a cubit broad. And its base shall be one cubit all around. The steps of the altar shall face east. So God is giving Ezekiel this very specific and very detailed image of the altar that he wants built for him in this temple. And the altars all through antiquity, all through Scripture, even outside of Israel in this time, altars were places where the divine and human worlds collided and interacted. The altar of the temple was literally the heartbeat, the center of the temple, It's a place of exchange and communication and influence. God responded actively to what was done on the altar. So this is not just sort of bricks and mortar kind of thing. This altar that God is calling Ezekiel to build, that he's giving him a vision of, is a place of divine interaction. A place of great significance to God. It's a place in the Old Testament where God met with his people. Where God communicated with his people. Where his people communicated with him. The cubit was the common measurement of antiquity. Not just in Israel, but all around the ancient Near East. And the cubit was measured in a specific way. And so I'm going to show you how that measurement goes. So if you just stick out kind of one of your arms, maybe the opposite one of, or the same one maybe of the person beside you. So stick out your arm. Then with your other hand, you're going to just kind of make, put your four fingers together, your thumb on the inside, and you're going to start at your elbow. And you're going to measure one hand breadth, two, three, four, five, six, all the way to the tip of your fingers. So unless you have an unusually long arm, It should be roughly six fingers, six hand breaths from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Six hand breaths. That was one cubit. Six in the Bible is the number for man. And the forearm specifically in biblical times represented the capacity, ingenuity, and the work of man. Specifically the forearm in the Bible times, represented everything a man could accomplish or a woman could accomplish. The forearm, which is six cubits long from the elbow to the tips of the finger, was representative of everything man could do. And for thousands of years, for generations, man has been doing incredible things through the ingenuity and the capacity that God gives man. Ever since 
You know, Adam and Eve, man has been growing in wisdom and in stature. Man has been applying his understanding and building and constructing and engineering. Man has been developing and architecting new technology and new things. With man's strength, we've gone to the moon, and with man's strength, your phone has more power in it that all of the computers that sent Apollo to the moon with man's strength were growing in our capacity. With man's strength, we're, we're architecting and building bigger bridges than we've ever built and taller skyscrapers than we've ever built. With man's strength and our ingenuity and our capacity, we're going further than we ever have. I want to read to you just a little stat about that that 90% of the data in the world has been generated in the last two years. In the last two years, 90% of the known data generated has been generated within the last two years alone. Man is growing. There's this law called Moore's Law. If you've ever been in computer science or technology, this law, Moore's Law, started by the inventor and the, the, one of the founders of IBM said that, you know, every year there'd be a doubling in capacity of circuitry. And we're seeing that every year man is growing in our capacity. And God is saying that this altar needs to be a cubit, but not just a normal cubit. This is a cubit and a handbreadth. If six is the number for man, seven is the number for God. And God says, at this place, this altar, this divine relationship that I have for you is not just everything of your capacity. It's everything of your capacity with my hand added to it. That this is the life that I've designed for you. The life that I've designed for you is a life where you bring everything that you have to me. All of your ingenuity, all of your strength, all of your gifting, all of your capacity, everything you have to me. You bring it all to me. I want all of it. And then what I want to do is put my hand on top of your hand. And I want to do supernatural things with your life that I've actually designed you and created you for a divine supernatural life, not a normal one. With man, our capacity is limited. But with God, our capacity is infinite. And what God wants to do in your life and in my life this year as he's instructing Ezekiel with the dimensions of this altar. Ezekiel's looking forward to a time when temples won't exist and God won't need a physical structure. But because of what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And the Bible says that we are now the temple of God. We are the dwelling place of the Most High. You and I are made for a divine and supernatural purpose. And God's invitation to you and I, God's invitation to us is to give everything we have, all six handbreadths, and then get on our knees and start praying and asking God to add the seventh hand to our life, to bring his supernatural power to our life. This is what people have been doing in this church in the last several years. It's been happening a long time, longer so than that. I started but in the last few years, 
I've seen you, and I've heard your story um, of you I heard that giving they everything you have, all here. six and uh, that was something that I was definitely Everything seeking for you my daughter. And then saying, God, now. I'm giving you all of my faithfulness, all of my obedience. I'm giving you all um, of the little I things. And I'm asking that through that, God, that, that you would see me as faithful like, the Holy with what Spirit you've entrusted to me room, and that like you'd add the seventh hand onto that. Um, I had and God has been doing miraculous things through very ordinary disciplines in many of your lives. Um, I want to show raising you your hands and closing your eyes and surrendering to him in that moment and seeing that of what God um, wants to and the can do and the Holy Spirit move with in the very room simple decisions to and, obey, um, very simple very decisions. So at the beginning of 2018, after being at Mountain Park for a few months, um, I knew that God was calling me to, and then ask him to add get out of a relationship that I had been in um, for about five years. And um, I, it was my first experience with feeling God speak this to me and being fully obedient, not partial obedience, but fully surrendering that to him and going through with that. And I immediately felt, um, I don't know, the presence of the Lord with me on that journey. Um, for the rest of 2018, it was a period of time where I was just waiting. And um, I remember D the end of December, it was New Year's Eve, and I, Andrew had just called everybody to think of a word for their year, and I was frustrated because I felt like I had some words that I felt could be for my next year, but I really just prayed about it. And January 1st, 2019, so this year, um, I just prayed it out and God spoke some words over my life and was calling me to um, be specific in seeking Him and being obedient to Him in the big things, in the little things. And so the beginning of my year this year was um, a time of cleansing and fasting. And um, through that period of time, it was a week by week basis of me fasting different things. I fasted, social media was my one year thing that I've fasted and don't think I'll go back to after having experienced that. And um, just fasting fasting food, fasting, um, you know, TV for a week, whatever it was, um, I was just being called to be obedient in those little things. And so now at this point, having gone through this time of digging down deep and getting into it with God, um, putting Him first, surrendering to Him, having experienced that, there's no going back after that coming full circle from last year um, and having gone through this basically training up that I've gone through this year in depending on Him and leaning on Him, I know what it's like now to feel the Holy Spirit working in and through me and there's no going back from there. Yeah, so we've been coming here for several years and we really felt the need to come to the full Revival Night weekend, which is not something that's easy for us with uh, three kids and running a business and things like that, so. We've come to Revival Nights before and just absolutely love the 
presence of God. And But I think to experience the whole weekend, we were just craving that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing for me was my prayer life hasn't been strong, but I've always known it's extremely important. So when it, it was announced that the master class was on prayer, I knew that we had to come. And for us to both come was really important to, to both of us, really. Yeah. So on the Saturday morning, we came to the prayer master class, and I was really excited. And Keith went through a point where uh, he, he asked for group participation. And so everyone bows their head, and we're about to get into it. And what happened was my first thought and my first prayer was, God, please don't use me in this moment because I don't want to, you know, have to speak up and have courage, basically. But what ended up happening was uh, God spoke directly to me. I mean, it was a specific name, which of course, being the guy who just asked to not be spoken to, made, uh, raised the stakes a little bit. Um, but once I actually spoke up and had the courage, uh, it just, it had a chain reaction and it was affirmed by a lot of other people in the room and it just gave me this confidence. And when the moment had passed from that moment, from that, you know, uh, from the point of me speaking up, I just broke down because the Holy Spirit was just really speaking to me and saying, see, I do want to use you. I do want to use you powerfully for my kingdom. I just need you to obey me. It was different for me. I think when Matt was sitting, you know, we all have our heads bowed and he's thinking, please don't speak to me. I'm thinking, please speak to me. Please speak <laughs> to me. I'm ready. And so, <laughs> and I didn't hear anything. But then when Matt put his hand up, it was just a thank you, Jesus moment to just know that he is present with us. Even if he doesn't speak to me directly, um, just a reminder that he's there and he's working. So having seen what God did that weekend, it, it caused us to have a conversation, I think, about the priority of prayer in our life, for sure. And I don't think either of us are really morning people. Um, but my conversation with Suzanne, I recognized the only time when you have three kids, a business, all these things is probably in the morning earlier than you want to wake up. So I just committed to God and I talked to Susanna, got permission to, uh, to wake up early and just spend that time with God because that I need to protect that time and it needs to be a priority. So I started waking up at 6.30 in the morning and just praying just in authority, praying uh, for myself, binding anything that's uh, opposed to the wills and purposes of God for me, my family, my wife, and then my household, and ultimately into our business as well. So since making the decision to commit to coming to Revival Night, we were just excited that God just met us in that moment. And it's really changed every single aspect of our life, whether it be our business, um, our, our parenting, our family life, our marriage. Yeah, and even just individually, our spiritual lives are much stronger and richer because of the commitments that we've made. And I think what's happened is God has just honored our step of faith and, um, and what we've kind of decided to implement from that weekend. Just a attending was such a small thing that I'm just so excited to see what he's going to do moving forward if we just make the first step.
Yeah, amen. I feel like so often we, we hold out on doing the little things because we're waiting for God to do this big supernatural thing. We want the lightning bolt from heaven to kind of come down and blow up the scenario around us. We want the, the, the sensational work of God, but we're not willing to do the little things, the daily grind and the daily discipline. And as God is giving this vision to Ezekiel, he's saying, look, this is kind of the law of my house is that you bring everything you have to me. You bring your faithfulness in the small, tiny things. And you watch when my hand comes on the small things what I do with your life. You watch what happens when you commit to one weekend coming and being a part of revival nights. You watch what I can do with three days of your life. But God, I have kids. I have responsibilities. So what? Watch what happens what I do. Watch what happens when I do when you decide to fast and humble yourself before me. When you approach me in prayer with sincerity and humility and you get to that part where you're willing to obey me with these little things in your life. Watch what I do. Watch what happens when my hand comes on your life from the little things. And this has been the story of our church this year. It's been a story of faithfulness. Our word for this year was planted, but in January, already this year, God said the word is planted, but it doesn't mean what you think it means because you're not ready to put any seed in the ground yet. The field is a disaster. There's rocks everywhere and there's no rose plowed. So what this year is for you, Andrew, is a season of preparation to be planted. It's a season of faithful stewardship, of coming back to me and just asking God, what else do you want me to be obedient with? What else can I be faithful with? What else can I steward, God? What of my time can I steward for you better? God, how do I spend disciplined time with you in the mornings better? God, how do I offer you the little parts of my life? God, how do I give you the sixth hand breaths so that you can add the seventh onto it? And this year, this has been the story that God has been writing as we plow the rows and we pull the rocks and we prepare the field. We believe God is calling us and positioning us as a church to have the capacity, the foundation to hold a great move of God. God is preparing the ground in our hearts to speak into your family's lives, to bring healing and salvation and deliverance from the demonic in our community and in your family. God is laying the foundation, but the foundation is laid with faithfulness and obedience. It's the sixth handbreadth so that God can add his seventh. God said, this is the law of my house is you bring everything that you have, all of it. You offer it to me with an undivided heart and you watch what I do with it. You watch me move. And I believe God just experiences such enjoyment and favor when we bring him the little things. When we steward our heart life when we take care of sin and stuff going on that we're involved in, when we surrender that to him, when we commit our lives to him, when we commit to prayer, 
and fasting, when we dig into the word and when we actually realize that we're spiritual beings created for a divine purpose. God says, you bring me the six hands and then let me add the seventh onto it because there's things that I've created you for in your life that you can't accomplish without me. I believe the call of God for your life and my life this year, as we look at Be Strong in 2020, the call of our life is to bring all six hand breaths in faithfulness to God, leaning in, pressing in, breaking the barriers that have existed in our spiritual life for so long, breaking through to supernatural places with him. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in what? In the Lord. Bring everything you have and then lay it all down on the altar. There's some things that God wants to speak to you about this year. There's things that God wants to speak to you about your life and there's things that God wants to speak to you about your families. There's things that he wants to remind you of and activate in your life. These altars were places where the divine and human worlds interacted. We are spiritual beings. I heard this one speaker say it this way. We're spiritual beings and we're always giving access in the spiritual realm. It just depends who you're giving access to. Are you giving access to the King of Kings? Are you giving access to God who wants to actually build you up, fill you up, release you in power? Are you giving access to the enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy your life? Who are you building the altars of your life to? God has been teaching us this year about faithfulness. And he's been teaching me that. He's been teaching me to just respond in faith to the little things. And a few of those have actually happened during our revival night weekends that we do. I just want to encourage you and challenge you. I hear so many of you just, your heart and your desire is for God to move and work in your life and power. I know that you want to see God move, but you're struggling. When it comes to revival night, you decide not to come. When it comes to our worship nights once a month, you decide you have better things to do. When it comes to weekends and and Sunday mornings, you decide twice a month or once a month is enough. God is calling you and I to more. He's calling you to press in and be a part of what he wants to do. He's calling you to be full in with him, to commit your life and set aside your time for him to work. When you give him that, he does immeasurable things. One weekend... One encounter where Matt hears the voice of the Holy Spirit for the first time in a tangible way and their family is changed. We sat down with them a few weeks after that, maybe a month or two over lunch, and they just said, everything has changed. Our marriage, our family, our business, God is actually interested in all of it. But they just decided to show up. So when are you going to start showing up for God? And just giving him what you have. He's not asking you for anything you don't have. He's inviting you to just bring him what you have. And even if it's measly, small little things, he's just inviting you to bring it. Because nothing is small 
in God's economy. There is no offering that you can bring God that is too small for him to put his hand on. There's nothing that's too small from God. And so this revival nights weekend we had in the fall, God spoke some things specifically to me in my activation of faith. My little thing was to get up in front of everybody in humility and test it. Say, I feel like I heard God say this, but I just want to test it with everyone. I had no idea what God was going to do, but every time that I've stepped out and just tried to to live in faith, willing to risk failing, willing to risk looking stupid, (laughs) whatever it is, God has met that and added his hand. Here's the story of two families again that have experienced the supernatural hand of God on their life just through simple obedience. Uh, In 2016, I had a new doctor come in who was going over my records. And that's when they informed me that I have a meningioma, which is a form of brain tumor at the side of my head from here back behind my ear. And I didn't know anything about it. And I was immediately sent to Hamilton to a neurology center to do under a battery of tests. And the doctor summarized that it wasn't bothering me. So rather than take a chance on doing more damage, they left the tumor where it was and just monitored it. It was revival night in the fall. It's gonna be our last one. And during Andrew's message, he suddenly stopped and said, there's somebody here who needs prayer for a tumor. Now that isn't an everyday word. And I thought it a little bit strange, and yet he repeated it again. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know what's going on, but I kind of raised my hand half-heartedly and everything was fine until about 15 minutes later, he called me to the front and to his surprise, it was me that walked up because he even said, you? And I said, yeah. And that's when everybody decided uh, I needed prayer for this affliction. And they came forward and I, I couldn't believe to tell you how many people laid hands on me and all began praying at the same time. And it was just, I was, it's hard to describe the feeling you get when you have that many people praying for your welfare. And I got lightheaded, I got shaky, and just before the ended, I kind of stood up straight and I had this overwhelming sense of peace that I hadn't had before. Uh, it's one thing to know about this thing that's inside my head. It's quite something else to come to terms with it. And at that point, I came to terms with it. The very next week, I had to go to Hamilton for an MRI and another checkup with a neurologist. And had to get my results from the doctor after revival weekend. When I went in and sat down with her, she kind of looked at me and she says, what are you doing differently? And I said, nothing, why? And she says, the tumor is doing something that it wouldn't normally do. And I says, disappear? And she goes, no, it's shrinking. But also the liquid that is inside the tumor is starting to dissipate. 
so it's not as thick as it used to be. And I took that as for the prayer. And I thought, yeah, it worked. And I was hesitant to tell Andrew because I don't want him to make a big thing of it. And yet my wife said I had to. So I walked up to him and said, I want to give you the results. And I couldn't believe, I, it, I, said, I told him, I said, I can't believe that the prayer could do that for me. I know it's done a lot of things, but I didn't know that a prayer could heal like that. So now I am completely at ease with what it is, whatever it is, and how long I've had it, it doesn't really matter. It's all in God's hands. Emily and I were living in London um, right after we got married, um, and I was offered a job promotion. And when I was offered that job promotion, it was in Niagara. Um, so I went home and I was like, hey, Em, I was offered this job. Um, and basically we talked it over and we said, we're just gonna pray about it. Um, we went to a prayer meeting and there was a prophetic word, basically that lined up with some other prophetic words we had had. Um, and we decided we were gonna go for it. Um, within a few months, we felt isolated from our family and our friends, um, and we just felt disconnected. Like, we didn't have a church family. Basically, we just thought about moving back. Um, and during that time, um, I was working a lot of weekends, and so on a Sunday morning, I met Andrew. Um, he randomly came through my drive-through and had a word of encouragement for me. Um, and then, yeah, we got into a conversation about why Emily and I moved here. Um, and yeah, we started showing up to Mountain Park. Before we moved to Niagara, um, I was having really bad migraines and other symptoms, which uh, uh, alarmed me. So I went to the doctor and actually just shortly after we moved to Niagara is when I was told that I had a brain tumor. And so that was scary for us. Uh, we didn't know at the time if it was cancerous or not, but it was not. However, it was still causing terrible symptoms for me. And I was getting more sick and more sick over time. Yeah, like to the point where I would have to leave work just to bring Emily water in bed because she couldn't leave bed. Like she yeah. couldn't get up to like take care of herself. Yeah, and in that time as well, we got pregnant, which I was very shocked we got pregnant because I was told because of the different hormonal imbalances and how this brain tumor was throwing off my whole body, that wouldn't really be a possibility for us. Um, but um, I wasn't shocked that we ended up miscarrying. Yeah, but, um, and that was sad, but you know, I came to this point where I just, I was like, well, this really sucks, you know? But this is my life, and instead of being angry and bitter, like the way I had been, like that whole time, I was just so angry. I was just like, this is my life, and I'm gonna accept it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just give it over to Jesus. And uh, that's when I decided to be baptized. Yeah, so um, I decided to be baptized 
because, you know, I had this complete heart change and um, I was so excited about it. And um, I remember I was so nervous, but I um, just felt like I really wanted to publicly declare that I was going to follow Jesus no matter what struggles I was going through. And um, I remember getting into that baptism tank and uh, Pastor Andrew stopped the service a little bit and kind of had the whole church come around me and pray for me and pray healing over me. And um, one of my dear friends, Ashley, she also was actually in the baptism tank with me. And she just felt like she wanted to pray healing over my womb as well, specifically. And so um, that was amazing. That was like really cool, yeah, for us. I took my baptism pretty seriously. And, you know, I was just grateful for each day as it came. Um, and I, I started feeling like this immediate shift in my body, actually, right after, I think it was like just a few days after my baptism, um, I started not having these like sharp migraines that I've been having that whole time. Yeah, like yeah. normally I would call Emily on my break at work and I would say, hey, like, how are you feeling today? And normally it was always the same answer. It was like, oh, my head is pounding. Oh, I feel terrible today. Um, and it shifted to, oh, I feel good today. I actually feel good. Like I'm having a good day. And it was just like every day over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, it was rare that I had good days, but like these good days were just like, oh, like every day. Every day was a good day. So that was really cool. And um, actually just a few weeks after our ba my baptism, a few weeks after my baptism, uh, we found out we were pregnant again. And that was amazing. And now I am 32 weeks pregnant today with our son. And I'm super stoked. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. A few months ago, I had a follow-up specialist appointment about my, my brain tumor and about the adrenal tumors. And um, my results came back negative for the adrenal tumors, which they had originally come back as positive. And um, she also said she wasn't worried about how my scan, my scan looked of my tumor on my brain. And so we're just gonna follow up with that in about a year's time. And yeah, it's really exciting. Through that whole time, um, it was just really hard to like, watching Emily feel like she was dying some days or like just like the amount of things that were happening that were negative for us. Um, I'd say for us, it was like, or for me anyways, it was really hard to like trust God in that time um, and just know that there was like a side to this that was better than where we were. Like it just seemed like it was something that wasn't ending. Like it just, would keep going on and on. Um, and for us, I'd say like, we've really learned to like trust that, you know, he's gonna bring us out on the other side um, or bring us out of the season that we're in. For me, um, I was so angry and so bitter towards God that I felt like I wasn't going to receive his grace and his healing because of that. 
but um, his grace is bigger than that. And as you know, as soon as I just gave it to him, he he was like, you know what, like I'm going to heal you, and he did. And yeah, I I really just learned that his grace is bigger than than us and our doubts and our fears and our bitterness. And yeah. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up. What does God want to do? What does he want to do in your life? What does he want to activate in your life? What are the small things that he's saying, just pick that back up again. Pick that back up again and don't let go. Hold on to it. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Hold on to it. Keep going. Keep pressing. Keep pushing in. Keep surrendering those little things. Keep giving him everything that you have, all that you have to offer. Keep giving it to him. Giving him those six hand breaths and asking for the seventh to come on it. Ezekiel saw this vision of what it could be like for God to move in power in someone's life. Elijah was the same way. He had this contest in 1 Kings 18 with these false prophets, these people that were prophesying doom and destruction and bringing death to Israel. Elijah confronts them and says, no, the God of the universe, the God that created us and formed us has plans and designs and desires for a life that's greater than what we're living for right now. And he has this powerful confrontation. And then after this confrontation, he, he prophesies to them. They'd been in three years of drought. They hadn't seen a drop of rain or a cloud in the sky for three years. Supernatural drought from the hand of God judging the nation because they had walked away from God. But as soon as they returned their heart to God, as soon as they brought their heart back to God and said, we're bringing back to you our passion and our heart and our gifting, Isaiah went and he prophesied. He said, the rain is going to come again. There's been drought. You've experienced a hand of God against you, but as you've repositioned yourself and turned your orientation back to God, as you've stewarded, stewarded your life and given it back to him, the hand of God is going to come. And this is what it says in 1 Kings 18. Elijah went up on top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. When's the last time that was your posture before God? When's the last time you were at the end of yourself and all you could do was fall to your knees, stuff your face between them on the ground, and leave your life at his feet? When's the last time you pressed into that place and asked God to move in only a way that he can? When you didn't give up and stayed there, Elijah said to his servant, go up now looked toward the sea, and he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And Elijah said, go again, seven times, seven times he went up. And on the seventh time, 
He said, behold, I want you to hear this and read this. Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. Seven times he goes up, and on that seventh time, the hand of God comes into the equation. All of his contending and all of his wrestling, not giving up, not backing down, face to the ground between his knees, calling out to God to move, giving everything that he has, all of his life, every part of him. And then his servant sees a cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. It hasn't rained for three years. And in a little while, the heavens grew black and clouds and wind formed and there was great rain and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab supernaturally outrunning the horses of the king because the hand of God was upon him. Just a cloud the size of a man's hand. God doesn't need much, but he needs what you have. He doesn't need extravagance. He just needs obedience. He doesn't need the big things. He's looking for the small things, and he's after your heart. He's after your heart turned toward him living for him. I want to read you the beginning of Ezekiel's vision, Ezekiel 43. Then he led me to the gate. Gates were a symbol of entrance and exit, not just a symbol, they were literally entrance and exit. Remember how I said we're spiritual beings. We're always allowing access to something spiritual. The question is what? And behold, the glory of God of Israel was coming from the east. And the sound of his coming was like the sound of many waters, and the earth shone with his glory. Down to verse 10, as for you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple that they may be ashamed of their iniquities, and they shall measure the plan. And if they are ashamed of all they have done, make known to them the design of the temple. Why would God say that? I've been pondering this, and I just believe that the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me and saying, look, if you had a glimpse, if you did, and you did, and you did, if you had a glimpse of the glorious life that God has created you for, of the divine calling he's put on your life, you'd be ashamed that you'd lived so far below it. You'd be ashamed that you've traded the glory of God for nothingness in your life. And yet he's calling you today by his grace and his goodness. It's not too late to live up to the call of God in your life. It's not too late to live up to the divine purpose that he's made you for. God gives Ezekiel this detailed vision and he's got a detailed plan for your life. Every part of your life matters to God. He's designed you to bring glory to him, to bring his kingdom on the earth and make an impact in this world. He's designed you to live for things that are greater than you can accomplish on your own. He's designed you to be a container 
for his power and his glory. He's designed you to walk on this earth and bring freedom, salvation, healing, and deliverance in the name of Jesus. That is what he's designed you for. God says to Ezekiel, this is the law of God. This is the law of my temple. Everywhere my temple is, there's holy ground around it. And God's call to us is to be strong and to stand up in our divinity, to stand up in our strength spiritually and be the men and women that he's called us to be, to bring everything that we have to him. And then invite the hand of God, the seventh hand on our finances and the seventh hand on our homes and the seventh hand on our children and the seventh hand on our businesses, the seventh hand on our retirement, the seventh hand on every part of our life. That's his invitation to you and I today. When we take these offerings, it's not just... a random opportunity to give a few bucks. For us, this is the seventh hand. We've been faithfully stewarding the presence of God and the resources he's given us all year. And this is the seventh hand that's gonna allow us to renovate down below us. Fun Town that's been in there, we've asked them to leave because we need the whole space below us for our kids' ministry and for ministry through the whole week. God has said to us, make this whole building fit for my purposes. I want this whole building to be a center and outpost of revival and renewal and salvation and healing and deliverance. I wanna set people free, I wanna heal them. I want this whole building set aside for my purposes and that's what we're doing. That space will be empty January 1st. And we're asking for the seventh hand of God to allow us to design it and build it in a way that facilitates the supernatural ministry of God, our lobby space, every part of this building. He said, be faithful with what you have and trust me for what you don't. So we're gonna do that this year. Whatever he provides, we'll use to build his kingdom, to invest in our future, to invest all over the world. We're using part of this to invest in January in pastors in Egypt who need training and discipleship. God has given us a unique role to play on the earth. But you and I need to partner and to bring everything that we have. So we're gonna do an exercise here because we had the ice storm last week. We were gonna give you these cards. I'm gonna give you a few minutes. There's a square card on your seat, most likely. And that card just says word, I think on the back for 2020. And I just believe God wants to give you a prophetic word for your life this year. God is always looking to the future. He doesn't live in the past. God's not dwelling on your past. He's inviting you to turn and look to the future. There's a card in that seat, and as the worship team sings this song over you, this is what the card looks like right here. We're going to get more for next week, so if you don't have one, but as the worship team is singing over you, I want to invite you to pray and ask God for a word. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't make it something it doesn't need to be, but just ask him for a word. This morning, I'd been praying for weeks. He gave me my word this morning. God has a word he wants to speak over your life.
We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.